Hello, everyone, and welcome to Educational Technology Podcast, practical podcast for teachers, students, parents, and all educators alike. Today, I am your host, Herbert Innocent, and joining me is Jack Kinney. Welcome, Jack. Hi. Good to see you. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you, Jack, for joining us on this podcast. And as I said uh, earlier on there, the aim of the podcast today is to understand um, this concept of digital classroom and how it impacts schools uh, for parents, students, teachers, and educators alike. And you're invited here today basically to share your opinion and your experiences in building an effective and interactive digital classroom environment in your school, as well as what has been your experience in that, but also maybe some thoughts you have in terms of how it's going and how it has really helped um, your students, your school, and your colleagues, your staff in taking that forward. So thank you again for joining us, and let's jump into the interview. My pleasure. Let's go. Fantastic. So my first question I just want to understand is maybe on your background, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your country, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Jack Carney. I'm the head of Soto Grande International School, which is an IB World School based in southern Spain. Um, I'm British. Um, I've taught uh, internationally for quite a few years in a, in a few different countries. Um, I joined the school 12 years ago and eight years ago, I became the head of school. Um, we have uh, 1,150 students on site with uh, over 100 boarding students. Um, we are based in the most southerly point of Spain um, and we teach the International Baccalaureate Programme from um, three years up to 18 years, but we also have a nursery on site as well. So we actually have students from four months old up to 18 years, all on one big giant campus, which is wonderful. Um, so my background is I'm a, I'm a maths teacher. Um, I still teach maths. I believe strongly that leaders should, should model the behaviours they expect of others. So I, I still teach um, and, and that's uh, essentially where my passion is. So I, I'm in the classroom. I have a diploma one group at the moment. So uh, we've just finished their end of year exams and starting to think about what next year looks like. Um, I'm also, uh, I've been a big advocate of technology um, for a number of years. Um, I think the school has as well. We're a very progressive school and we saw probably 12 years ago that um, technology was where, where we were kind of wanting to drive forward. Um, and our journey sort of on, on implementing technology started with um, what were the benefits for students? And I think that's, that's always got to be the, the start point. Um, and, and I think we started simply with things like Chromebooks. They were a cheap way to get going. Um, they didn't last, but um, they certainly got people thinking about what, what technology was and how we could use technology. Um, they, we started off with, uh, with um, products for staff only and, and didn't make the, the students have, have, have uh, technology. But... Um, over time, we started to realize that actually it was ridiculous for staff to have laptops and students not to. So um, we introduced a, a sort of a, a bring your own device program. So our current setup is that um, we, after a long journey, we moved to Apple products. Um, and uh, eight years ago, we became an Apple Distinguished School. We were the first school in Spain to be an Apple Distinguished School. Right now, we have um, uh, iPads for students aged um four years old up to um, 10 years old and then from 
uh, 11 years old, uh, they have a, a, a MacBook Air um, and that's all the way through secondary. So we provide them until the students are age uh, eight. And then after that, they bring their own iPads in um, and we look after them in school. Um, and then in secondary, they have their own MacBook Airs. That journey has obviously been a very a slow, uh, but, but a very long journey. Um, and there were lots of learns along the way. Um, that I'm sure we'll dig into a little bit more. So that's a little bit of background about us as a school. Um, we are also a member of the Inspired Network of Schools, which is over 80 different um, uh, schools around the world. Uh-huh. So from a, from a tech point of view now, uh, we're not really um, driving things quite as much. It's sort of centralised so that um, we're learning from each other a lot as well, which is which is really great. So we've got opportunities to network and, and build um build on what we're doing but also to to steal great ideas that are out there and and think about how we embed them in our own situation that's fantastic that's fantastic it's fantastic to hear how the journey has been a slow transition there uh going from traditional but also integrating modern technology there um and so maybe that leads into into my next question which is uh what is digital classroom in your opinion um i think I think it's quite strange that the concept of a digital classroom has probably shifted over the last uh, last few years after the pandemic. If you'd asked me before the pandemic, um, my answer would have been um, more along the lines of a classroom that um, that allows technology to be used as a tool to enhance the learning experience for students. Um, I think now, um, especially... Um, especially over the COVID time, we were actually having, I mean, obviously we were online, so that was a totally digital classroom. Um, we then had a mix of those things when we had some students who were in school and some students were at home and we, we called that a hybrid lesson. So I was teaching 15 kids in front of me and 10 kids at home at the same time. Um, and that, that was that was quite interesting. Um, so I think I think the, the concept has shifted um, now to to include, I suppose, inclusivity. Um, I certainly, as a school, we're looking at how we can use that that model of learning for students who have long term absences, or for students that perhaps are uh, uh, school refuses to to still engage them in learning. Um, but ultimately, if we take the connectivity out. For me, any use of technology should not replace what happens in a classroom. It should enhance um, and it should it should be there to take students to a different place that a regular classroom couldn't get to. OK, OK, I think. And maybe to clarify that, would you, uh, how do you maybe. Uh, so what will be the elements of digital classroom and the role in schools? So I'm assuming you said enhancing. And is that the only role or is that more also to... No, no, but I think I think it's quite often schools fall into a trap of, of starting to use technology and then just using it for the sake of it. And I think that's that's where we need to be very careful as, mm. as educators. We have to understand what the purpose of the use of technology is. Um, so elements of a digital classroom. Firstly, you need a great network infrastructure. Without that, it doesn't work. Um, and you need... Um, you need to invest heavily in, in professional development because just giving people laptops doesn't work either. Yeah. Um, need to be professionally developed for, for, for staff, but also student development. So I think those are really important aspects mm. that we can't, we shouldn't um, forget. Um, 
I think then what you need is creative teachers. You need teachers that aren't afraid to get things wrong. But what you also need is a great IT team on hand to solve the problems when they do go wrong. Because we all know anytime you plan a great lesson, the network yeah. will go and then yeah. what happens then. Yeah. So I think I think those those things sit before you even get into the concepts of a classroom. Mm. You need those things in place. Mm. Um, but for me, I think... Um, Different elements would be they allow for much more student inquiry. They allow for more open-ended tasks and exploration. I think they allow um, students to, to take their learning in different directions. Mm. I think they allow for different aspects of collaboration. Mm. They enable, um, I suppose, um, collaborative memory bites. That, that students can access back and forth. Mm -hmm. They allow learning to take place inside and outside of the classroom, mm -hmm. um, sort of sort of anywhere, any place, anyhow. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing that, for me, technology or an element would be is to make the invisible visible. Is, mm. is turning that concept of something that I can't quite see into something that I can see and understand. Fantastic. That's awesome. And I think also this, uh, you touched on a little bit there about your story and how you got from the beginning to, to really start integrating that into your machine. It was a slow process. And I suppose uh, if, if a parent was worried and maybe they were wondering what are the benefits um, of going digital for well, their again, students? So I think it really depends upon the school and what their philosophy about it is. Mm. As I said, if, if you're saying we're going digital, um, I think my second question would be to them or my, my rebuttal would be, what does that mean to you? Mm. If it's every lesson we're using technology because we use it, it's mm. not the right answer. If it's to enhance a learning experience, then, mm. um, then I think then the vision is right. Mm. Um, so a worried parent, um, I think it's about reinforcing what safety protocols are in place. Mm -hmm. That, that um, we're adding an opportunity uh, rather than mandating it's how do i how do i use this technology to enhance the experience how mm -hmm. do i use it to make my research more efficient how do i use how do i um how do i use technology to to collaborate with students when i'm at home rather than at school how do i use the technology to learn at home rather than in school and use mm -hmm. school for dialogue so mm -hmm. for me um I, I, I i'm i'm a parent i don't worry about what my students uh, or my children are using in school i think Parents have a right to be worrying what kids are doing outside of school because there's a lot less, lot less safety protocols on on the internet, etc. But I I only see technology being used well. That is enhancing the learning process. So taking students to different places, accelerating learning, um, and allowing collaboration. You know, across the world ultimately. Mm, mm, mm. That makes sense. I suppose once you have a purpose, then it makes sense as a tool taking you to that next level. I can completely understand that and relate yeah. to that. And what yeah. did you say that again? No, no, but being part of, of a, a network of schools, as I said, I think we have, we've got over 80 schools around the world. What that's doing is it's allowing students to collaborate with different people from different cultures and different mm. experiences all around the world. I think, mm. I think that's, a, that's a really, really amazing um, sort of aspect of digital classrooms that, that shouldn't be underestimated. Mm. Um, it allows worldwide global collaboration on projects it allows us to attend you know leadership festivals from all around the world i mean these mm. things are incredible mm. but it staff it also allows 
um, professional development to happen uh, cheaply, more frequently. Mm. It allows a different diverse mindsets to collaborate on, on projects. So, you know, I, I think I think we could look at it just happening in our schools, but we can also think about the global impact of it. Mm. Um, and the fact that, you know, you can start to really connect with, with people in very, very different places mm. very, very easily. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really big, fantastic uh, development in education, the ability to, to connect with other schools it internationally. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And what would you say would be the most common challenges that prevents maybe some, uh, that prevents maybe success with this integration technology? Let me just slow it down. Okay, so... The biggest barriers are, in my experience, one, people throw money at it and they give people laptops, but they don't provide training. So I think the first thing is invest, invest carefully, um, provide the training to the, to, the, to the staff so that they feel empowered um, to, to use the technology and not scared of it. The, the second thing is um, a really good network infrastructure. Be prepared that uh, and future-proof it. Be prepared that if you're going to have I don't know, let's say you've got 100 kids and you're going to have 100 laptops. You won't. You'll have 100 kids with 100 laptops and 100 phones um, and 100 watches. So it's, it's really think about all of, you know, future-proofing where you are um, and making your, making your network work for you. And, and, and with that is where do you want learning to take place? In our school, it's any place, anywhere. So the pitch that you can see on the wall behind me, that's got Wi-Fi. Um, you know, the, the, the corridors have Wi-Fi, the, 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 the courtyards have Wi-Fi. So it's the whole campus is Wi-Fi uh, rather than it just being specific classrooms and specific blocks. And then the last thing for me is um, you need a great tech team who are on support on hand to help solve problems because the, the biggest demoralizing thing for, for staff is that they put a lot of time into, into making things work. And when it doesn't, they need someone on hand to, to, to sort that. Um, what we did at our school was, you know, we started small. We we asked for um, for mentors. We asked for people that were really excited about um, learning something new. Um, we invested heavily in them. We trained them on what we knew. We gave them time to go and play and experience and explore. And then we used what we would call spotlighting to shine lights on people who were doing great things. Um, students are the best storytellers that you can ever imagine. And uh, so, so students talk about what they were doing in different lessons really brought um, interest and excitement from other colleagues who wanted to learn more. And the minute that you've got um, sort of an internal thirst uh, with inside of staff for wanting to learn more, then you've got a catalyst for change. If you enforce it, if it's a top-down force, um, I think you get a lot of resistance and that, that doesn't work in my experience. Mm. Um, so start small. Um, heavily invest in those people, get them to do some brilliant stuff, share that. It makes people excited and want to mm. learn more mm. and then use them as mentors to spread that good learn out mm. so that, that um, you know, that, that there's a, there's this, there's a, there's a leadership development for those people. Um, but there's also, you know, a great win for students because suddenly then the good practice is shared across the school rather than it just being focused in Mr. or Mrs. X's class. Mm. That's fantastic. That's awesome. And, and I think you've touched a lot there in terms of uh, really supporting the teachers. And my other question, uh, as we go into, into the conclusion of the, of the podcast episode, is I wanted to look at in terms of the tools. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on augmented reality, because this is now 
one of the few tools that's coming in and i wanted yeah. to so my question is what is your opinion on augmented reality uh, classroom you know setting like how do you see that and uh, as a resource maybe for enhancing because you mentioned enhancing education being being one of the key thing having in mindset before going forward with digital classroom and so augmented reality as a tool and any other tools that um, you would say have worked very well for you so maybe the first one is what is your opinion on augmented reality as a resource for enhancing and other any other tools that you've used that really worked well right um so easy answer yes <laughs> i like augmented reality but but the question the answer is maybe more why um mm-hmm. so for me um I believe in experiential learning, which is to take learning not to be heard or told, but for students to live and breathe mm-hmm. learning. The minute you live and breathe something, you're going to learn something so much better because it's not only your you know, your ears or your mind uh, or your nose that is, is in that learning experience. It's every single part. It's all your senses. It's your muscle memory, et cetera. So immersing mm-hmm. students in a learning experience, which really engages every part, part aspect of their body, I think is critical and what augmented reality does is it allows that to happen when you're talking about the solar system you know being able to to sort of actually visualize what those planets look like and how they align um is really difficult when it's on a two-dimensional book um and and also when you see something on a tv screen it doesn't quite um connect you in the same way as when you can maybe interact with it better mm-hmm. um so I also feel that um, learning happens when you get a wow factor and you will have known something, you've seen it yourself. You would have seen something and go, oh, I love that. Mm. That's what you want to engage kids because the minute they go, oh, then you've got them. And augmented reality, I think, opens up opportunities for that to happen. So they, they act as a trigger that allows you then to dive into different content. Mm. Um, other tools that we use, um, we've used quite a lot of virtual reality. So with headsets, um, I think those are great ways of transporting you to very different places all around the world. Mm. They allow you to see things that are no longer there and explore mm. things like, you know, um, ruins that before they were ruined, what did they look like and interact with them? They also allow you to experience different culture uh, in a matter of moments. You can be transported from, you know, a classroom in Spain to Venice and having, you know, walking around St. Mark's square. Mm. Um, and I think that, that it allows it allows something to occur and learning to occur without a, a cost. Um, mm-hmm. It's still mm-hmm. not the same as going to St. Mark's Square and walking around in Venice, but mm-hmm. you can't go everywhere all the time. So I think it, it really allows um, students to, again, immerse themselves in experiential learning. Mm-hmm. Other, other digital um, sort of profiles and projects and, and, and uh, kit that we use um, we're a Google Classroom school. So, yeah, Google Classroom is fantastic. It allows mm-hmm. collaboration from all over. Um, really good that kids learn how to how to use different um, programs early, especially things like Excel. We've got lots of things going on with um, SketchUp and uh, CAD CAM design. Um, again, it's allowing that sort of skills of technical drawing that then goes on to things like architecture and, and engineering to happen in, in, in terms of classrooms. Mm. We've got the, the then build on from that, looking at 3D printers. So students are, are creating their own projects and own products and then seeing them be created in, in real life. Uh, lots of stuff on robotics and coding, um, app development, um, looking at uh, how 
how coding works not only in in development and creation of a, as an application that can then be brought to market but actually also in terms of something tangible so we've got kids age seven programming drones to fly around mm-hmm. assault courses um and then older students obviously exploring things like lego etc mm-hmm. um, and how to make robots and, and then taking that to, to compete in competitions so i think for me you know there's lots of fun things that can happen with with technology mm-hmm. um as a maths teacher uh, you know, I think they, it allows you to really um, engage kids in understanding how things like graph shifts happen, um, how, how transformations of curves occur, mm. what differential calculus actually means, how can you really understand it in different um, aspects. So it, it, it goes back to that concept of, for me, making that, you know, that untangible thing tangible, the invisible thing mm. visible. Mm. Um, and wherever that is used really well and it helps students to not be confused i think it's a very powerful addition Mm. that is awesome i agree with that that's fantastic and as we come into the conclusion i would love to continue i would love to continue hearing these stories for me it's been a personal i'm enjoying this a lot and i think i think the audience are also enjoying understanding how technology has been shifting how the experience has been uh, impactful for your students and for yourself there and my final question is what will be, you know, your top three tips uh, for our audience, you know, if they want to enhance their own digital classroom experiences or maybe just digital learning for their students at home? Okay. Um, all right. If we take all the other things about knowing how to use your kit and networks, etc. <laughs> first thing is don't be afraid to make a mistake. Uh, it's not going to be perfect. I think enjoy it. Um, think second thing will be think about yourself as a learner. Um, how will, how would, how would using the technology enhance the experience for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last thing is, is have some fun with it. Um, take it to different, take it to different levels. Um, you, you're only ever safe in your own comfort zone and therefore you only get what you've always got. So by pushing that boundary, by, by thinking outside the box, and uh, uh, I think you get much more incredible experiences in classrooms. Um, I think those would be my top three. That's awesome. That's awesome. And where can people learn more about your school? What website would they have to go to if they wanted to learn more about your school? Uh, our website is www.sis.ac. Um, we are, if you just search uh, International School in Southern Spain or Best International School in Spain, I think we'll be there. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jack. And for our audience, if you want to get in touch with me, my name is Herbert Innocent, and you can email me any questions you have at herbert at cleverbooks.eu. That's H-E-R-B-E-R-T at cleverbooks.eu. And you can find out more about us at www.cleverbooks.eu. That's cleverbooks, C-L-E-V-E-R-B-O-O. KS.eu. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Education Technology Practical Podcast. We'll see you on our next episode.